0: Should we go electric?
1: I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options.
2: So
0: electrified looks different for everyone.
1: Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Uh,
2: Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash Zero.
0: Hi, I'm Jeffrey Goldberg, the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic. Uh, The Atlantic interview is still on a break, but I wanted to share something we've been working on here. It's called Crazy Genius. On our new show, our staff writer, Derek Thompson, spends each episode asking a big question about how tech is changing the world, and and he brings on smart, interesting people to help him answer these questions. This week, he asked, should we break up Amazon? We hope you listen, and we
2: hope you enjoy it. Amazon is devouring the world. Its value has doubled in a year. Its CEO, Jeff Bezos, is now the richest man on the planet— the company seems unstoppable. Climbing the food chain, Amazon buys Whole Foods.
1: Amazon is going Hollywood. A new venture from Amazon called Prime Wardrobe. Amazon Key. Amazon Dash. Locker. Amazon Fresh. Alexa. Amazon Basics. Amazon
3: Business. Amazon Books. Amazon.com has become the everything store.
2: And Amazon's dominance might be a very bad thing. Dictators always start benign, but power corrupts. I'm Derek Thompson. This is Crazy Genius. Eight weeks, eight questions about how technology is changing the world, and eight answers. On today's show, Amazon has a chance to become the first trillion-dollar company in the world. Is that a clear indicator of Amazon's genius? Or a sign that the everything store is too big for our own good? To understand how Amazon became Amazon, you really have to go back to the beginning. Here's Scott Galloway, a professor of marketing at NYU.
0: Look at the 1997 letter from Bezos to investors.
2: 1997. That was the year Amazon went public. And after the IPO, Jeff Bezos wrote a five-page letter to shareholders. Now, every public company is at the mercy of investors who are obsessed with profits— But Bezos had the gall to say, you know, instant profits are really dumb. Amazon will be a better company if we can spend all our cash on customers. So Wall Street, you can forget about profits, but also give us your money anyway.
0: He says, look, it's hard to predict the future and consumer wants, but there are three consumer truisms that are totally non-perishable. I think it was value, convenience, selection. And he said, we're going to invest massively behind these three things, regardless of what the markets or investors say. And he stayed true
2: to it. 21 years later, this letter might be the most famous document in modern business history. It was a crazy stunt from a rookie CEO, and it worked. And to their credit, they went through the valley of death. The markets Mm -hmm. didn't always buy
0: it. The market beat up their stock a couple times when they failed with the phone or they took profits down. And he said, Go to the letter. This is what we're doing. (laughs) We're not scared of our stock going down. We're not scared of investors. We're not going to fall into the short termism that plagues companies. We're going to invest for the long ball. And their execution against those three things has been so incredible that it's resulted in a cost of capital that is lower for longer than any firm in history.
2: Low cost of capital. That basically means Amazon can get money easily with fewer strings attached. And then they use that money to totally overwhelm rivals.
0: So towards the end of World War II, the Germans had better troops, better morale, better officers, better tanks, better machine guns. But the allies had cut off their supply routes, and we had 38 gallons of gasoline for every one they had. So we literally overwhelmed them with gasoline. (laughs) And Amazon is a company that shows up to every category with 38 gallons of gasoline.
2: Amazon does things no one else can. It spends more on research and development than any other U.S. company. Their goal? Same-day delivery of almost any product to almost any American.
0: Would that be expensive? Extraordinarily expensive. Perfect. Because what do we have that no other company has? 38 gallons of gasoline, specifically the lowest cost of capital in the history of modern business.
1: The key thing with Amazon is realizing that Amazon has achieved its position not just through being the best, but through using its power in ways that actually undermine competition.
2: That's Lena Khan. She studies monopolies and antitrust policy at the Open Markets Institute. And she's a top expert on the dangers of large companies. So what is the danger that I should be looking out for when it comes to Amazon's powerful position?
1: So I think in order to answer this question, you really need to think about Amazon more fundamentally as an infrastructure company. Um, Amazon is the railroad of the 21st century. So in the same way that 100, 120 years ago, if you were a farmer or a merchant or independent producer and you wanted to get to market, you had to ride the railroads, today, if you're in that same position, you have to ride Amazon's rails. Um, Amazon has really (laughs) captured control over the infrastructure of 21st century commerce.
2: So railroad companies could destroy other firms they didn't like. They could use their power to distort the marketplace. Give me an example of Amazon doing this.
1: Amazon is now privileging its own goods and services over those owned by and sold by independent retailers. So Amazon will spot goods that are doing well on its marketplace, where independent retailers are selling goods and will kind of swoop in, steal that insight, and then directly sell that same good and kind of knock down the original producer. So there are examples where, you know, there was a seller that found this really cool kind of pillow pet is what they were called.
2: What's a pillow pet?
1: (laughs) Uh, it's a it's a pillow in the shape of a pet okay. um, that became really popular. Amazon saw, saw that it was doing well. That this other seller was selling it, ended up going directly to the manufacturer. Um, you know, selling it it's, itself, knocking out this um, independent seller. In, in um, a way,
2: what you're saying is like like Amazon is using American commerce as its R and D department. For products, right? (laughs) That's exactly right. That they're essentially like, okay, we'll sell a bunch of stuff. We'll sell, you know, these these stuffed animals you sleep with. I've already forgotten the name of it. And we'll sell the laptop stands and we'll sell toothbrushes and we'll sell all of this made by other companies. But once we realize what the best-selling design is in each of these categories, we'll just make it ourselves. That's exactly right. Amazon's powers go beyond this. Just by thinking about entering a new market, it can destroy billions in wealth. This year, the company made a huge announcement.
0: So Amazon announces, along with Berkshire Hathaway and J.P. Morgan, that they're going to look at healthcare costs. No details. No plans. Literally no hint of what that even means. But because there's a woman in the press release who's an SVP of Amazon, the healthcare industry sheds $31 billion in value the next morning. So Amazon's now capable of performing Jedi mind tricks (laughs) and and basically restraining access to the mother's milk of business, which is capital, and I believe could take the value of any consumer stock down 30% in 30 days.
2: Capital is Amazon's ammo. It can use it to defeat every other competitor. It can lay siege to rivals, starving them out until they surrender. That sort of power is extraordinary. It's also kind of scary.
1: I think there are certain conflicts of interest embedded in Amazon's business model right now that undermine competition, and so if we want a competitive marketplace, I think we should break up Amazon.
2: Break up Amazon. Yes, the government has the power to do this, and it's used that power. We busted up big companies in oil and tobacco in the early 20th century. We broke up AT&T's phone service monopoly in the 80s. And Galloway thinks we should do it again with Amazon.
0: The key to capitalism is competitive markets, and when one company controls the consumer markets in finance and access to capital, you need to break them up.
2: This might be a good time to say that when it comes to Scott Galloway and Amazon, the beef is personal. Several years ago, he founded a gift-giving site.
0: Started coming to a red envelope, and about the time we saw Amazon start getting seriously into gift-giving, it was just over for us. There's just, there's just, They can just hold their breath a lot longer than than you can. So they haven't done anything wrong. They're not evil. But a natural part of the economic cycle is when one company through deft execution, luck, whatever it is, gets to a point where it can put almost all of its competition out of business. You end up in an economy where small companies can't get out of the crib. So I think there's less new business formation.
2: So on the one hand, I agree strongly uh, with an element of this argument. But then I also have a really big question. I have trouble understanding by what metric, specific metric, Amazon is too big. So there are 10 American companies with more revenue than Amazon, including its competitors, Walmart, CVS, and United Health. Amazon, as you've said, as everyone knows, has famously low profits, so it's no surprise that dozens of companies are more profitable, McDonald's, Home Depot. I don't see anybody saying that Walmart and CVS should be broken up. So what would be the Galloway test here for a company being too
0: big? So your question is the correct one, and I'm going to give you some other data that, that makes your case as well. Amazon is only 4% of U.S. retail. So how can they be that big a threat when they're just 4%? And 4% is a number. Let me give you some other numbers. They're a third of all cloud revenue, the fastest growing, most profitable sector in technology. They're 45% of U.S. e-commerce, the most valuable retail channel in the world. The future looks like it's going to be screenless, specifically voice. And Amazon has a 70% market share. (laughs) They are about to become the most valuable company in the world. I believe they're going to hit a trillion dollars this year. They've paid $1.4 billion in corporate income tax since 2008. Since 2008, Walmart has paid
2: $64 billion. It is pretty incredible that a company worth $800 billion wouldn't pay corporate income taxes— But think back to 1997. Bezos writes that five-page letter. He tells potential investors to not expect instant profits. Now, while Amazon is technically earning money in 2018, its profits are still tiny compared to any company its size. The federal government taxes profits. Amazon doesn't have much to tax. So
0: how do we pay for our soldiers and our nurses and our air traffic control? Tax policy is failing. You have market failure when the most successful company in the world is basically institutionalized or aggressive corporate tax structure. If Amazon doesn't pay taxes, then who does?
2: Well, companies that are less successful So for the last few decades, the knock on monopolies has been that they use their power to raise prices on consumers. Amazon, however, is famous for its low prices. So, How can it be a monopoly under the law?
1: So it's true that since the 1980s, uh, enforcers and courts have primarily looked at price as a metric for whether a company is exerting its monopoly power, and that might result in higher prices for consumers, but it might result in other harm. So in the case of Amazon, um, it could result in, you know, Amazon squeezing um, suppliers or producers or making it, you know, charging a tax for the companies that are reliant on its infrastructure to reach consumers. Um, it It could take the form of, you know, depressed innovation.
2: Depressed innovation means less competition. And in a future without competitors, there'd be nothing to stop Amazon from jacking up prices. But even if you wanted to break up Amazon, how would you do it?
0: There'd be different ways to skin the cat here. There'd be regulation or doing what France is proposing and tax them on their top line instead of their bottom line. My feeling is, why not keep this kind of cool disco party going and break them up into three companies?
2: And what would those three companies be?
0: Amazon AWS and then Amazon Fulfillment. I see. I think those could be three separate companies.
2: That's one, Amazon, the website that includes the products sold by Amazon itself. Two, Amazon Web Services, its insanely profitable cloud computing division. And three, Amazon Fulfillment, the system of warehouses and couriers that bring all those boxes to your doorstep.
0: And by the way, I think those three companies combined would probably be worth almost as much or maybe more. But I think they'd hire more people. I think... Jeff Bezos might be less wealthy, but I think there'd be more employers. At the end of the day, more millionaires, fewer billionaires, more jobs, broader tax base, you know, better
3: for the economy, better for the middle class, better for the planet. But not everybody agrees. Are they providing value to consumers? Yes, absolutely. Are they doing it in an unfair way? No.
2: Okay, let's move on. Up next, why we should leave Amazon just as it is. So,
0: should we go electric?
1: I think we should go electrified with Toyota.
0: Electrified?
2: Do you think Amazon should be broken up? Not at all. That's Michael Mandel. He's an economist who researches technology and e-commerce. And he thinks Amazon isn't big enough.
4: In fact, the history of these things is that we should be allowing big, productive companies to expand and raise wages and not trying to break them up.
2: This is the argument Mandel made to me. First, despite what Lena Khan said, Big, productive companies are actually good for the economy. And then, unlike Scott Galloway, Mandel thinks Amazon is creating jobs. Hundreds of thousands of new positions in logistics. The work can be brutal, but it often pays more than many of the cashier jobs that are going away. So before what happened was that
4: people would get in their car and drive to the mall, okay, and it would take maybe sort of four hours. Um, and what's happened is that we've taken those hours, which adds up to millions of hours a week, and moved a lot of them into the paid sector. So now we're paying people to do the driving for us, to sort of do the picking and packing and wandering the aisles. And what's happened is we've moved those unpaid hours into the paid sector. And therefore,
2: there's been a tremendous growth in e-commerce jobs. Mandel says, by doing all this shopping work, Amazon is saving us time for what really matters in life. 20 years ago, if I needed a new uh, toothbrush, I'd have to drive, park, get out, buy the damn toothbrush, bring it back. That sucks. Amazon makes our lives better, period. And its achievements are only possible within an enormous company.
4: Why should you have to go out and get that toothbrush at that point? Presumably speaking, that you have other things in your life that have a higher value to you, whether or not it's paid work or unpaid work. I fail to see why you shopping for that toothbrush has any moral or economic value at all.
2: Had I been focusing too much on all the hidden costs of Amazon, maybe I should focus on the hidden benefits. Not just low prices, that's obvious, but thousands of new jobs, millions of awful shopping trips eliminated, billions of hours being saved. Do I really want to break up the company that gave us all that? I think the other thing to think about here, Derek, is we've been down this path before. That's Rob Atkinson. He's the president of a think tank that studies tech policy. He's a fan of big business. He literally wrote a book called Big
3: is Beautiful. Fifteen years ago, just put in the word Walmart ahead of Amazon. Uh, Fifty years before that, put in the word Sears uh, even before that, you had A&P, uh, Woolworth. So there were these big behemoth retailers that we thought were going to put everybody else out of business.
2: Critics like Lena Khan say the best analogy for Amazon is the old railroad, a dangerous monopoly. But what if the better historical comparison are stores that don't exist anymore, thanks to competition? 100 years ago, we were having this exact same debate about another retail showdown
3: called the chain store wars. And back in the 1920s, you had the emergence of companies like A&P and Woolworths. And they were the Amazons of the day on steroids. Uh, So you had, for example, uh, a headline, a New York Times headline, Big Business Now Sweeps Retail Trade. 1928. And then we had the same debate again in the 1950s. So A&P was dominant. Then Sears was. Sears would be lucky if they're in business tomorrow. And then then it was Walmart was going to kill everybody, and now they're, you know, a little bit on the ropes, facing a tough competitor. The idea that we this is locked in amber that Amazon is going to dominate for the rest of eternity, uh, that simply hasn't been borne out by
2: American history. People change, so do their tastes and habits. The history of American retail isn't the story of invincible monopolies ruling for centuries. It's Game of Thrones. A saga of families rising to power and then being swiftly attacked, threatened, and eliminated. We need more of that throughout the economy. Galloway said Amazon could destroy the value of health insurers with the snap of its fingers. But what if some health insurance companies are money-grabbing oligopolies who deserve to have their value demolished?
3: absolutely i want amazon to come in or other companies to come in and try to disrupt our healthcare system which is you know almost tragic in, in how uninnovative it is and sclerotic it is and if a company like amazon or somebody else comes in and wants to shake it up i think more power to them and i think what we should be looking at with amazon is are they providing value to consumers yes absolutely are they doing it in an unfair way no okay let's move on it's uh, it, it it's all to the good
2: I started out thinking the most interesting question here was, should we break up Amazon? But the answer there is simple. No. In the last 20 years, Jeff Bezos has used a blank check from investors to overhaul the global shopping experience, and succeeded brilliantly. The world is a better place with Amazon in it. But power corrupts. And left to its own devices, Amazon has abused its power, like so many large companies before it
1: we care about competitive market structures and not just whether, you know, you have a monopoly that is a benign monopoly that for the time being is interested in, you know, offering low prices, but when it realizes that doesn't is not checked by competition, can at that stage jack up prices or can use its its monopoly power in other ways.
2: Lena Khan is right. To ensure Amazon remains a force for good, we need to watch it and we need to regulate it. The real question is By what standard? Well, how about by Amazon's own standard? By the standard Jeff Bezos put down on paper in 1997, when he wrote that five-page letter to shareholders. Bezos said he would do everything possible to make his consumers happy. Let's watch Amazon closely and punish the company when it punishes its customers. And yes, that includes when it uses its marketplace to steal other companies' ideas, and reduce consumer choice. Amazon promised to put people over profits. Let's hold them to it. Crazy Genius was produced by Krista Ripple, Katherine Wells, and Kasha Mihailovich with help from Abdullah Fayad. David Herman is our engineer. Breakmaster Cylinder composed our theme song and all the music in this episode. Special thanks to Matt Thompson and Kevin Townsend. If you like the show so far, please help us out. Give us a rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. I'm Derek Thompson, and I'll see you next week.